In the future, companies will be successful, not because of new fancy technology, but because of the dedication, commitment and competence of their workforce. Well, I guess uh, probably about 20 years ago, I was working in the motor industry as a production manager. And uh, then if I stopped the production line, uh, all hell would break loose. loose. There'd be a two-day inquiry about why I stopped the production line. Uh, nowadays, uh, some organisations like Toyota, for example, are uh, allowing their uh, employees working on the production line to uh, make a stop to the production line if they see a fault or a concern or an issue that they feel is appropriate. So it's as if you, you get a whole person working in the organisation instead of a third or a half or, on good days, 70%. Sounds good, doesn't it? But consider this. A study in Western Australia of 3,500 workers found that 60% of them believed that they could cut costs and increase efficiency by up to 20% if management genuinely sought their assistance. In America, most senior managers in a recent survey said they believed in greater employee participation, but the same number admitted they don't make it a reality. Well, to help turn words into action, I'm going to give you the four key steps to ensure your people are empowered. The four ways to really motivate your staff to take responsibility, to use more initiative and reach their potential. Chris, I found that very frustrating. Yet another wasted meeting and I'm sick of it. There's just not enough resources, there are too many demands, too many meetings, not enough competent people. Kate is a middle manager struggling with typical day-to-day -day problems. I think you've just got to delegate. Delegate? I delegated yeah. all this work last week and look what happened. They didn't do it properly, yeah. so I have to pick it up and do it. Do you think Kate is empowered? Is she taking control, taking responsibility, using her initiative? Frankly, I'd say no. She's sounding as if she has no power whatsoever, that whatever happens is because of lack of resources, incompetent people, too many demands. This is a typical example of what psychologists call externalising, the tendency to blame things that have gone wrong on everyone and everything, all beyond their control. Externalising turns us into victims, but it also makes life very easy because, by definition, there's nothing we can do. Things aren't our fault. It's always someone else's fault. Now, if Kate wants to even think about empowering her staff, she's got to start by empowering herself. She's got to start internalising. She's got to stop blaming others and start taking control herself. And uh, I actually want to look a bit differently at how, at how I manage things. Um, what, uh, what I'm going to do, for example, with, uh, with meetings is start, start setting an agenda. Yeah, you think so? Yeah, well, there's one this afternoon and I thought if we had uh, a specific agenda and I'll actually start holding people to, uh, to a time for the meeting and uh, also subject matter for the meeting so we don't get distracted. So the first step to empowering others is to empower yourself. Now let's take this step a little further. Jock, the key to any business is to be able to provide service. And in order to provide a service, and a decent service, you have to be able to listen to what people say on the telephone. We have Barry is a supervisor. Unfortunately, the way he's trying to help Jock is very negative. 
We have had a lot of complaints about it. I mean, I don't know what's going on, but, you know, have you got anything to say about that? Yeah, well, it's not my fault. I've got two calls going at one, one time. The computer's playing up. I've got a customer, you know, really pushing me and hassling me for something. And, uh, you know, they're quite rude sometimes. Mm-hmm. Now, you'll recognise immediately what Jock is doing. It's the same as what Kate was doing before, externalising, blaming the problem on everything and everyone else. Barry, the supervisor, is trying to get through. You've got to be able to communicate with them, you've got to be able to listen to what they say, and then, and only then, can we provide a decent service. Well, you know, just the thing is, you're pushing me when, you know, the spirit of the moment, you've got to understand, you know, how... Sometimes you can't, you know, do two things at one time. So how can Barry turn things around, empower Jock to accept responsibility, use his initiative, stop blaming others? Easy. Barry has to show him how to accept responsibility, how to use his initiative and how to stop blaming others. Barry has to demonstrate or model empowerment. I guess... um... Perhaps, you know, it's probably a little bit my fault. I mean, I haven't spent enough time probably training you and teaching you the right way to go about answering your phones and communicating with clients. Do you think that if we had some training and, you know, if we spent an hour or two together, that might help you? A bit of help on a computer would do, you know. I see. Sometimes it it stuffs up occasionally. So, you know, I just want to get to know it a little bit more Mm -hmm. and perhaps, you know from there yeah well that but you know as a phone you know we, I'm doing okay, my well, best. well maybe maybe if we did some sent you on a, a computer training course and you had an update on everything and maybe things might work out a bit better look at how quickly jock has changed his attitude it's really quite easy the instant barry the supervisor stopped blaming jock was exactly the same instant jock stopped blaming barry or the equipment or the resources jock became empowered to act So the second step to empowering people is to model or demonstrate empowerment yourself. Don't show them how to blame, because sure as anything, that's what they'll do. Show them instead how to accept responsibility. That's how you empower yourself, and strangely enough, that's how you empower others. Well, let's now take this one step further. Lots of companies around the world are setting up all sorts of teams, like this one that's working on a manufacturing problem. They're called anything from a quality action team to a self-directed work team. The idea? To empower staff at the coalface to solve problems. The human potential people suggest that the average person might not use more than 20% of his or her potential. I think people are beginning to realise that uh, most people in organisations, regardless of uh, the level that they're working at, are probably a hundred times uh, more competent uh, than traditionally we've given them credit for. The new way of thinking that we have to start to adopt, and, and it, has to, it has to affect, as I say, from executives all the way down to the lowest level managers, is a thinking process about the employee as somebody who has intelligence and who has, uh, has resources to contribute. The problem with a lot of so-called empowerment is that it's fake. It's a sham. Staff are not really being given power at all. And the result? Right, poor quality materials. Yeah. Uh, Because the delivery's late too, the management's always on the back of the blokes on the floor. So so they're getting annoyed, are they? Yeah, not too happy with the management. 
Management attitude. If staff or workers don't feel they have any power, if they believe their suggestions and ideas will fall on deaf ears, they will get very cynical very fast. And there aren't enough of us. Staff shortage. Yeah, that's okay. true. And the air conditioning always goes down. How do you expect it to work when it's so hot? To get teams like this to function well, to take responsibility and really use their initiative, you must give management guarantees that you mean business about empowerment. Guarantees that you'll give them information and adequate resources. Guarantees that you'll get back to them within a certain time. Guarantees that you will implement what they suggest. You have to deal with the issue of organisational integrity and honesty around that issue. The organisation in some way has to actually demonstrate their sincerity. If you are serious about empowerment, there's a much greater chance that they will get serious too. I think the problem is um, we're looking a little bit too far afield here. We're not really looking at the problems that are around us. We're looking externally rather than internally. Us? Yeah. Well, I think we all agree that we're not putting everything we can towards the FP2. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I, for example, I mean around lunch times when there's a shift over, in, the changeover in our shifts, um, I think that there's a problem occurring. That's there where a lot of the failures have been occurring, and that's something we can put time in towards. Yeah, but that's after lunch. Everybody's slow after lunch. Well, we can't keep it up. I mean, the FP2, everyone can see the evidence of what's happening after lunch, and we just can't continue that with the FP2. Now, all this sounds fine in theory, but in practice, it's hard to give management guarantees to everything and anything your staff might suggest. They might be wrong. Eric, can I talk to you for a minute? Yeah, sure, Michelle. I've just been looking through these um, order forms and I came up with a good idea. What about if we sort of made an order form for mm -hmm. them so they could order outside of the supermarket and then bring it in so we could get it ready for them? Okay, well, the problem I have with that is that we've just got so many items. I mean, we've got more than 10,000 items in the supermarket. And I also think that um, because customers won't be coming into the store, that we're going to lose sales on the impulse purchases because, you know, we need people going through the tills to make those purchases. Yeah, I suppose, but, I mean, we don't have to make a huge um, order list. We could sort of make a selective order form and so people could, like, also write in what they want as well rather than having, like, a five-page list like I've got here. And also with the impulsive buying, I mean, people... I mean, the customers sort of... They always forget to buy something, so they're obviously going to have to come in here to get whatever they've forgotten, therefore they're still going through the tills and picking up the impulsive items. So Michelle has come up with an idea and her manager, Eric, is nervous. He doesn't think it'll work. He's trying to talk her out of it and in the process he's disempowering her. Do you think she'll be taking any more initiatives in the future? I doubt it. That's why it's so important to take risks. Be prepared to try out a good idea. Run with it. If you believe people are incompetent, then they will behave in an incompetent fashion. If you believe people to be competent and you trust them and allow them to make decisions, then they will make decisions very often that surprise you. If you are concerned about an idea, try piloting it. Trial it. If it doesn't work, nothing much will be lost, and at least your staff member will have learned from the experience. And, uh, I think what would be the best thing to do would be for you to go back and, and design something uh, 
and also to think about the sort of customers that uh, would be appropriate, to do a little sample and maybe two or three customers and then at the end of the week we'll, um, we'll sit down together and we'll work through it and we'll see how successful it's been and also maybe talk to the customers and see how they found it. Risk taking, that's part of what empowerment is all about. Empowerment, not just a buzzword, but a direction for the future. If you're a manager or supervisor or team leader or whatever, make sure you don't just expect people to empower themselves, realise that your role is crucial. Empower yourself first, then make sure you model or demonstrate it to others. Be prepared to give honest guarantees, to listen and act on what your people say. And finally, be prepared to take risks. And isn't that what business success is all about?